Well, good morning, Highlands Baptist Church. My name is Dan Fring, and it is my joy to be with you this morning. I am really excited to look at this passage in Colossians chapter 1 with you today. Uh, it's a text that I believe is fitting for today. And in these six verses, we will see together today Paul's heart for the church at Colossae. In these six verses, we hear what mattered most to Paul as he thought about his ministry toward them. We hear about what he aimed for as a pastor and what he sought to lead God's people toward in Christ. As we look at this passage, the the verses that were read, what we see here and what we see in other places in Colossians is that Paul really loved the church at Colossae. Paul really wanted them to know Christ and to love Christ and to experience Christ's love for them. Paul really wanted them to know the real joy that comes in a real relationship with the real Jesus. And Paul really wanted them to live lives that were fully pleasing to God. So that through them, Christ would be on display. So that through them, Christ would be declared to others. Now, what's fascinating about all of this to me is that as Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he was in prison in Rome. And and as he wrote this letter, he he had never actually met the Colossians. When he wrote the letter, he had never visited them. See, Paul wasn't the missionary who brought the gospel to Colossae. Paul didn't plant the church there. As far as we could tell, he never made it to Colossae. And yet, as he writes to them, we hear his love for them. We hear his desire for them to to know Christ. to to love Christ, to experience Christ in their own life, for Christ to be on display through their lives. Paul didn't really know them, but Paul really loved them. Paul hadn't really spent time with them, but he had really prayed for them. Paul had, had never worshipped with them, but as Rob read for us at the beginning of the service, Paul rejoiced in what he had heard about them. He rejoiced in the work of Christ among them. Highlands Baptist, in many ways today, I feel like Paul. I don't really know you. And yet, because Christ is in you, and you are in Christ, and Christ is in me, and I am in Christ, I can stand before you this morning and tell you, I love you. I love you. I I didn't introduce any of you to Jesus. I, I wasn't the one who started this church. And yet, I rejoice in what I've heard about what Christ has done and is doing in all of you. There are things about your church that I am so excited about. Way 
things that I've heard about Christ's work in you and through you that, like Paul, I rejoice in. I am encouraged to worship with you this morning. And and though this is only my second time worshiping with you, I worshiped with you in the summer of 2019. My family and I were on sabbatical, and I came and worshiped with you. I worshiped with you then. This is just my second time. And yet, as I am with you, it is my joy to worship Christ with you. Though I don't know you, I love you. Though I've not spent much time with you, I have prayed for you. Though this is only my second time worshiping with you, I rejoice in all that God has done in your church over the past 40 years. I love what Christ is doing. I love what Christ is going to do in and through you. And so with all of this in mind, I want to look with you at Colossians 1, 24 through 29. If your Bibles are not open there yet, please open your Bibles to this passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. As we look at this text today, I want to share with you three things that I will aim for if God would be pleased to call me to be your pastor. Three things that I will commit to, three things that I will aim for if God would be so kind as to call me to be your pastor. Before I share these three things with you, I want to start by sharing the power that I need to pastor, the power that we all need to do what God is saying to us here in these verses. So the first thing I want to share is the power for pastoring, and here's what it is. It's Christ's power working within me. Christ's power working within me. Look with me at verse 29. This is the end of our text today. Paul says this, For this I toil. For this I toil. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Here at the end of our text in verse 29, we see that Paul wanted the Colossians to know that he was working really hard to serve their spiritual good. He had toiled for their growth in Christ. He struggled for their maturity in Christ. This was something he took very seriously. He wasn't playing games with this. This really mattered to him. He was giving himself to this with all he had. He worked hard to help them know Christ, to follow Christ, to mature in Christ. But check this out. He makes it clear that this hard work wasn't something that he did by his own power, with his own energy. No, it was actually Christ's energy powerfully working in and through Paul. That Christ's power powered him to toil and struggle for the Colossians' spiritual good. And in the same way, As I'm telling you today what I will aim for, if God graciously calls me to be your pastor, I want you to know that I will aim to work really hard for your good in Christ. To toil, to labor, to struggle, to help you grow in Christ, to mature in Christ, to become more and more like Christ, to live a life that more fully reveals Christ. 
to the world around you. I will labor for this. I will toil for this. But, like Paul, my hard work for you will be energized by Christ's power working in me. Christ's power working through me. But ultimately, it will be Christ working through me for you. By the power of Christ working within me, I will seek to pastor you toward maturity in Christ in three ways. Number one, by Christ's power working in me, I will aim to joyfully suffer for your greater joy in Christ. To joyfully suffer for your greater joy in Christ. Look at verse 24 in our text with me. Paul says this, Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul says that that it is his joy to suffer for the Colossians' sake. He continues, In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, this verse can be kind of hard for us to understand. I mean, at first glance, it almost seems like Paul is saying that the suffering of Jesus was not enough. And that Paul needed to somehow add to Christ's suffering to fill it up and to make it complete for salvation. Well, we know that this is not what Paul means. Because in other places, including earlier in Colossians 1, Paul says things like this. Colossians 1, 13-14. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, what Paul's saying there is that Jesus has completed all the suffering that was needed for us to be redeemed and forgiven and welcomed into his kingdom and into his family forever. But what Paul is saying is something like this. One scholar says this about what Paul's saying here in verse 24. He says, Christ's suffering was all that was necessary to provide salvation for sinners But listen carefully, Paul's sufferings were necessary to proclaim salvation to sinners. Christ's suffering was all that was necessary to provide salvation, but Paul's sufferings were necessary to proclaim salvation. And what Paul is saying is that when he suffers for Jesus, he is putting Jesus on display. His love, his suffering making it visible for the Colossians and for others to see. John Piper, who was a pastor for many years in Minneapolis, says this about this verse. He says, Christ has prepared a love offering for the world by suffering and dying for sinners. And that love offering is full and lacking nothing except one thing. A personal presentation by Christ himself to all the nations of the world. God's answer to this lack is to call the people of Christ. People like Paul and people like all of you and people like me. To make a personal presentation of the afflictions of Christ 
to the world. In our sufferings, they see Christ's sufferings. Here is the astounding upshot. God intends for the afflictions of Christ to be presented to the world through the afflictions of His people. And that's why Paul rejoices in his suffering on the Colossians' behalf. Because his suffering for them is like a picture or a display of Christ's suffering for them. His joyful suffering showed them the joyful suffering love of Jesus. His faithful suffering showed them the suffering faithfulness of Jesus as Paul suffered joyfully. The Colossians saw and experienced Christ. And their joy in Him grew. This is how Paul's suffering became something that God used for their sake. This week as I was studying, I was reminded of a story that Billy Graham once told about a missionary whom he met, a man who was an an indigenous missionary in Africa who met Christ while he was walking along the road one day. This man's name was Joseph. He was walking along the road. He met someone who shared the gospel of Jesus with him. Then and there he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and the power of the Spirit began transforming his life. He was filled with such excitement and joy that the first thing he wanted to do was return back to his village... And share that same good news with the members of his local tribe. So he went back home. And he began going door to door. Telling everyone he met about the suffering of Jesus. And the salvation it offered. Expecting to see their faces light up the way that his had. To his amazement. The villagers not only did not care. They became violent. The men of the village seized him. And held him to the ground while the women beat him with strands of barbed wire. He was dragged from the village and left to die alone in the bush. Joseph somehow managed to crawl through a water hole. And there, after days of passing in and out of consciousness, he found the strength to get up. He wondered about the hostile reception he had received from the people he had known all his life. He decided, I must have left something out. I must have told the story of Jesus Incorrectly, And so after rehearsing the message he had first heard, he decided to go back and share his faith once more. Joseph limped into the circle of huts and began to proclaim Jesus. He died for you so that you might find forgiveness and come to know the living God, he pleaded. Again, he was dragged by the men of the village and held by the women beat him, reopening the wounds that had just begun to heal. Once more, they dragged him unconscious from the village And left him to die. To have survived the first beating was truly remarkable. To live through the second was a miracle. Again, days later, Joseph awoke in the wilderness, bruised, scarred, determined to go back. He returned to the small village and this time they attacked him before he had a chance to open his mouth. As they flogged him for the third and probably the last time, He again spoke to them of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Before he passed out, the last thing he saw was that the women who were beating him began to weep. 
This time he awoke in his own bed. The ones who had so severely beaten him were now trying to save his life and nurse him back to health. The entire village had come to Christ. Now this is just one vivid example of what Paul meant when he said, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. There is something profoundly freeing and stabilizing to know that Christ calls us to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Stabilizes us from being thrown off guard when it comes, and it frees us to choose it when love beckons us. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of Christ's sufferings on display in our life as we joyfully suffer for His glory. Christ works through us to help others see Him and experience Him through us. Now, if by God's grace I'm called to be your pastor, then like Paul and like Joseph, I will aim to joyfully suffer for your sake as well. So that you will see the power of Christ in my weakness. See His grace as He works in and through my own suffering to show others His grace. This might be the most important thing I can do as your pastor. And by Christ's power in me, I will aim to joyfully suffer for your greater joy in Christ. First aim. Second aim. By Christ's power working in me, I will aim to clearly and continually proclaim Christ to you for your greater maturity in Christ. By His power working in me, I will aim to clearly and continually proclaim Christ to you for your greater maturity in Christ. Look with me at verses 25 through 28. Paul says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this majesty, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom to present everyone mature in Christ. Now that word minister in verse 25 most literally means servant. And Paul wanted the Colossians to know that as he thought about his ministry toward them, that he was their servant. That God had made Paul a servant of Christ and God had made Paul a servant of Christ's body. Now, as a servant of Christ, Paul is also a servant of Christ's church. He goes on in verse 25 to say that his ministry to the Colossians was given to him by God. That this ministry was a stewardship, or as some translations put it, a commission from God. Something that God had entrusted to him as a responsibility to be worked on and carried out with great effort and care. The end of verse 25, through the middle of verse 28... Paul gives a short synopsis of the core or the heart of what his serving ministry was all about. Look with with me again at these verses. He says, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So how did Paul aim to faithfully serve the Colossians and minister to them? Well, in a number of ways. First, he wanted to help them clearly see the glory of Christ in the scriptures. Verse 25, he says he wants to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. As Rob shared with us at the beginning of the service, the mystery Paul is speaking of here is Christ. And Paul wants to show them in the scriptures, the fullness of God's word, that Christ is that mystery. And the mystery here that Paul's speaking of is it's not like a Bible story problem that needs to be solved. It's not like a Sherlock Holmes novel. It's not like a, like a riddle that we need to reason in our mind. No, it's more like this. It's more like a beautifully sculpted work of art that was partially covered with a sheet. A marvelous statue covered with a drape on top of it. You would not be able to clearly see all that the statue was until the artist removed the drape. Once removed... The statue would be clearly seen and the mystery and the glory of what was hidden under the sheet would be revealed. Paul wants the Colossians to see the glory of Christ in the scriptures. Christ's glory that has been revealed to God's people in the fullness of God's word through God's redemptive plan and the promises recorded in the scriptures. Paul's ministry was aimed at helping the Colossians see the glory of Christ in the scriptures. But his ministry was also aimed at helping them see the glory of Christ in them. Look at verse 27. Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul wanted the Colossians and everyone everywhere to know the glory of Jesus is really for everyone. Because the grace of Jesus can rescue and redeem anyone. Both Jew and Gentile. Men and women. Young and old. Rich and poor. Religious and irreligious. The glory of Christ is for everyone because the grace of Christ can rescue and redeem anyone. And, and Paul wants them to know that this grace was not just for them, but check this out. It was Christ in them. What a phrase. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The living Christ living in you, giving you his life, filling you with his joy, anchoring you in his hope. This is how much God loves his people and wants to be with them. Christ comes to live in us. Amazing. What a thought. What a hope. What a life-changing truth, church. Christ is in you. And you are in Him. And that truth changes everything for us. Paul wanted the Colossians to know that. And the way that he sought to help them know that was, third, by continually proclaiming Christ, wisely warning everyone, and wisely teaching everyone. Look at verse 28. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all 
wisdom. The central message of Paul's preaching was Christ. He says him, he's speaking of Christ, we proclaim. The, the verb proclaim there is in the present tense, which communicates an ongoing, unceasing action. Paul was declaring Christ to them, and he was going to continue to declare Christ to them. And he wanted to, he wanted to see Christ proclaimed to everyone, all the time, everywhere. And Paul was not aiming at merely giving good advice about how to give a good life. No, he was committed to declaring the best news about the life-changing, sacrificial death and victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to do that, he was committed to warning everyone wisely. Warning here means to admonish or correct. It's the kind of wise warning that protects people who are tempted to drift away. To drift away into false teaching or ungodly living. Paul was committed to wisely warning everyone, old and young, women and men, new believers and longtime Christians about the dangers of false doctrine, about the dangers of sin, about the dangerous reality of God's judgment and wrath. Notice he says he wanted to warn them wisely. Paul knew that, that not everything was worthy of an admonishment. Not everything was worthy of that kind of warning. Like at our church right now, a couple of the guys that I serve with are Chiefs fans. And uh, the truth is, there are times when I want to admonish them for that. To warn them wisely about the dangers of cheering for that team versus the team I love, the Denver Broncos. But, but that kind of warning is not always needed. So we warn wisely. Paul says he's not only committed to warning wisely, he's committed to teaching wisely. Teaching here means to inform and instruct God's people on how to live in obedience to God's word. And the reality of who they are as his people. Again, this was something Paul aimed for with everyone. Everyone. Those who really knew Christ and those who did not. Finally, in verse 28, we see the goal of Paul's ministry of clearly and continually proclaiming Christ. Here's his goal. Here's his purpose. Look at it with me. To present everyone mature in Christ. He says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is Paul's ultimate ministry purpose. Presenting everyone mature in Christ. Mature here means growing up to fullness or completion. Like, like a tiny acorn that grows to fullness as a mature oak tree. Paul wanted everyone in Colossae and far beyond to grow up spiritually. To become more fully and completely like Christ. He wanted to present everyone mature in Christ. And because Christ was in them. And because they were in Christ their growing maturity would one day culminate in glory. One day they would be like Christ. Fully, completely. No more sin. No more struggle. No more suffering. Just full and complete joy in Jesus forever. And in the same way, my ultimate purpose in pastoring you would be that we all become more and more like Christ. More and more like Christ in the way we think more and more like Christ in the way we feel. 
More and more like Christ in what we want. More and more like Christ in the way we speak. More and more like Christ in the way we act. Like Paul, by Christ's power working in me, I will aim to clearly and consistently proclaim Christ to you for your greater maturity in Him. Because what you need, and what I need, and what everyone needs more than anything else, is Christ. We need to clearly see and truly believe that all that we will ever need and all that we can ever want is already ours in Christ. As we see that more clearly and trust that more deeply, we grow in Christ more completely. And so hear this well, Highlands Baptist. By Christ's power working in me, if God would graciously call me to be your pastor, by Christ's power working in me, I will aim to clearly and consistently Proclaim Christ to you. To help you see how his life in you and your life in him provides purpose and meaning for all of your relationships. Family relationships, work relationships, neighbor relationships. I will aim to proclaim Christ to you. To help you see how his life in you and your life in him shapes and supplies you for your everyday work. Whether that work happens in an office or a hospital or in your home, I want to help you see how Christ's life in you and your life in Christ provides and shapes and supplies you for that work. I want to proclaim Christ to you to help you see how his life in you and your life in him impacts your finances, defines your sexuality, guides your parenting. I will aim to proclaim Christ to you to help you see how his life in you and your life in him directs and drives the mission of your life to make him known to others. Highlands Baptist, I really want you to know Christ. I really want you to worship Christ, to really enjoy Christ, to really trust Christ. And finally, third aim, by Christ's power working in me, I will aim to help you display and declare Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. Look at verse 28 again. Paul says, Him, Christ, we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now the we that Paul is referring to here, I believe primarily is Paul and his missionary team. The men who had traveled with him throughout the Mediterranean world proclaiming Christ. That's the we he's primarily referring to here. But I think as Paul is sharing this with the Colossians, he wants them to know that his goal for them is for them to join him in proclaiming Christ. For them to live lives that display Christ and declare Christ to others. He wanted the glory of Christ in them to shine out as the glory of Christ through them. And he wanted them to join him in proclaiming Christ and his grace to their ungracious friends who did not yet know Christ. Do you have any friends like that? Ungracious friends who don't yet know Christ? I want to help you proclaim the grace of Jesus to those friends. Paul wanted the growing maturity of Christ's truth in them to be on display as they proclaimed Christ to their family members who were worshiping false gods. Do any of you have family members like that? 
family members who are not worshiping the Jesus that you're worshiping because they're worshiping something or someone else other than Him. I want to help you proclaim Christ to them. Paul wanted the growing maturity of Christ's life in them to be on display as they spoke the gospel to their neighbors and to other nations who were dead in sin. In the same way, I will seek to pastor you and help you all become more and more like Christ in the way you think and feel and speak and act so that others will see Christ in us and hear about Christ through us and experience Christ more and more among us so that our maturity in Christ is more fully on display in the faithfulness of our marriages and parenting. So that our maturity in Christ is more completely on display in the integrity of our work. So that our maturity in Christ is more clearly on display in our witness to people in our city who don't yet know the joy of knowing Jesus. And not just here, but far beyond. One of the things I'm most encouraged about in your church right now is that as a church, you were willing to send your pastor to go far away to help other people hear about Christ. That's evidence of Christ in you. That's a picture of the heart of Christ for the nations present in this church. I'm so encouraged by that. And with God's help, I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more people from this church, sent from this church to the nations. To help more people see and hear and experience Christ. Because of Christ's life in you, your life in Christ, I'm certain that Christ will accomplish all of this work. I'm certain of that. Because like Paul said in another letter that he wrote from prison, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said it like this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And so Highlands Baptist, if God would be pleased to call me to be your pastor, It would be my joy to suffer for your joy. It would be my joy to proclaim Christ to you. That by the power of the Spirit in you, I might be a part of helping to present you mature in Christ. To help you display and declare Christ to our neighbors and the nation.